0: it's thursday the 20th of january 2022 and you're listening to episode 50 of reds unrestricted
1: this podcast is part of the big heads media podcast network go to bigheadsmedia.com
2: for more great podcasts
0: well to mark this our 50th episode we've got a special guest so in addition to myself david Comerford, clovey blocksham and dan club we've got the Liverpool Echo's lead Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle. Uh, how are you? Thanks very much for, for coming on. No, oh, it's
1: a pleasure to pleasure to be invited.
0: I'm fine. Yourself? Yeah, all good. Um, and we're hoping really to get some some insight from Ian on a lot of the key issues around the club at the moment. And I suppose there's only one place to start on that note, and it's with Mohamed Salah's contract talks. So let's keep it basic. For the first question what are the kind of confidence levels around this contract at the moment because klopp in his press conferences seems to be relatively upbeat about it um and the indication from yourself and other journalists saying is that Salah does want to extend so from that point of view is there really much reason for fans to be concerned um, well, there'll
1: always be a concern, won't there? The, the, uh, thanks for starting with the, the easy question, by the way. Um, uh, there'll always, always be a concern the longer that he doesn't sign it. I mean, from Jurgen Klopp's point of view, if Mohamed Salah doesn't sign, he gets the best player in the world for another 18 months. So I think Klopp is quite, you know, he's, he's not, as he said before, he's not too worried about the situation at the moment. I think the club might start to get a bit worried if he hasn't signed by the, you know, by the start of next season, because then you're only about... Mm three or four months away from Mohamed Salah being able to talk to, to clubs from abroad so that will be a concern I mean obviously the player's got a certain monetary value which you know Fenway Sports Group they have to gauge whether or not it might be better to, to sell him in the, in the summer but that it's not just applicable to him but overall I think that Liverpool are quite I would say they're quite confident that, that Mohamed Salah would sign a new deal I mean you've seen what you know Salah himself he'd, he'd He'd quite like to stay. I think, to be honest, he would like to stay from what we're reading. And also, there's also the other thing is, where else could he go? I mean, where else could he go that he's going to have the same kind of affection and the same love from supporters? And playing a team that plays the kind of way that that gets the best out of him. We've seen, you know, look at the way Barcelona are at the moment. They're not quite at the level. It'll take a few years before they get there. Don't it Real Madrid will play the way that brings the best out of him? Look what's happened to Hazard there. So, I think that's, and he won't go to another Premier League club. So he's of an age where he probably thinks this is the best place for him. And and looking at everything that that Salah said, it's all about not so much about getting paid what he's worth, but just he wants to be valued. He's that kind of player that he believes that you know the reality is he is Liverpool's best player. He should be getting paid more than anybody else. And I think it's probably going to be one of those where it depends on the length of the contract because he what is he 29 now, so it is a bit of an interesting one for Liverpool. But at the moment, I uh, I can see why fans would get a bit concerned because he's still, you know, these talks have been got ongoing for what, six, eight, ten, twelve months. It's quite a long time, but it's not I wouldn't say it's a massive priority for Liverpool at the moment, but in a couple of months it will be that they'd need to get it sorted one way or another because then they've got a decision to make whether or not they look to try and sell him, or if the manager wants to keep him, then they let his contract run down, then he goes for nothing in 18 months. And just to follow up on that. Do you think, obviously, Liverpool have known for a
0: while that the 2023 deadline w- was coming up and realistically it's got to be done before the sort of new year of 2023? Of because that's, like you say, when you can negotiate with other clubs. Do you think the, the plan and the expectation would have been that this deal would have been, if not signed on the dotted line, kind of agreed in principle by now? Um, because I'm just sort of getting reminders perhaps of the... Wijnaldum situation and I know Wijnaldum isn't comparable maybe in terms of the profile of of player um, and maybe even the salary demands at play but that one kind of felt as if you were waiting for that moment that agreement to be
1: reached and then it just sort of gradually ticked nearer to the deadline the Wijnaldum situation is a bit different because I think that obviously as you say he's a different level of player whether you know Wijnaldum I think is a great player but you look at what he's done at, at PSG and it's not very much I mean whether or not part of that is because the way that he's playing and the team that he's in, he's not playing the right position. Or perhaps he has gone past his best and maybe Liverpool thought that... I mean, I, personally speaking, I think there's a certain element of I think Liverpool thought he was going to go last summer and that's why they bought Thiago and then he didn't go, I think. I think there was a certain element to that. And uh, But yeah, with, with Salah, if he hasn't signed by this time next year, I think we've got probably got to accept that he's probably on his way. If you've had two years to sign a deal then, and then he hasn't done it. But yeah, what are we? That's another 12, to 11 months off. So, I, as I said, I don't think there's too much cause for concern yet. In terms of Liverpool, they they keep on top of all the contracts. They know the situation. They'll have been, as I said, they've been in talks for quite a while. Because um, obviously, Salah, when he joined, since then he signed one improved contract, uh, which was reward for what he'd done in his first couple of years at the club, which is fair enough. So, He's just after what he believes is the right reward for him. I think you've got you also got to factor in his agent. His agent will be looking after his you know his client's best interests. So there is something to do with that. I mean, with a lot of these contracts, it tends to be that the player would quite like to get it sorted as soon as, but the agent has to look you know he has to look after lots of other elements and uh, you know, do what's best for best best for the player. So with Salah. Again, I, I don't think that you mentioned the one album situation. I don't think it's quite comparable because you've got the it was M. Ray Chan as well. There has been other situations where Klopp has shown himself willing to let things run down if he feels that we can get the best from the player. Because, you know, ultimately, I think if Liverpool don't, if they wanted to get t- the best price for Salah, they'd sell him in the summer. And I would be surprised if they did that. So it would be an interesting few months. But from what we're, you know, from, from everything that we hear from both the player, and you know and the club that they they think things hopefully will get sorted sooner rather than later and it certainly doesn't seem to be affecting his performances really if
0: any and it seems like it's added motivation to sort of prove how much he is worth and like you say he wants that to be reflected in the contract but if this is a business decision for fsg do you think that they recognize the reality that to replace salah and his output which is obviously, kind of well leading at the moment. I mean, you might not even be able to get that level of of consistency in terms of goal scoring, but to get someone who's even in the same bracket, you're looking at kind of paying probably double the amount that you paid to bring in the likes of Salah, Jota, and Marnie to the club in the first place. So do you think the club maybe will look at it and think, yes, our wage structures at risk here, but if we want to Adequately replace Salah, it's probably going to cost us as much, if not more, than it would to simply give him a new contract in the first place. Do you think that is the kind of thinking, the kind of
1: line of thinking the club will adopt? But the other thing is his age, isn't it? As I say, he's 29. If they give him a four-year contract, that means he's going to be there till 33, nearly 34, I think. So. I think that's something else because they know if they get, they'll know if whatever contract they give him now, that's it. They're not going to get any resale value off him unless they do something ridiculous and sell him one year in to his, his new deal. Um, everything that FSG to do is, you know, that that is a business decision. The reason they bought Klopp in is because they wanted to win things because they knew they'd make money. That's just the way football clubs and football owners, owners of clubs, that's that's the way that they work. So I do think there there will be an element of that for sure. Um, and in, just in terms of, yeah, they'll have, they'll have seen the situation. They'll be well aware of what's going on. I think the manager as well, Jurgen Klopp, is very much aware that, you know, the, the the business side of it, that will be important. And in terms of what you mentioned about they'll have to spend a fortune to replace him, I don't think they'll even, if it comes to that, I don't even think they'll replace him like for like because it's pointless. Because what would be the point? You just keep him there rather than sell him. I think what they'll love to do is, you know, I think Salah, Firmino, Mane, Jota—they were all, I think, either just either just turned 25 or younger than 25 when they got brought in, and I think they'll look to other players like that for someone to take Liverpool to the, you know, back up to that level because you won't be able to replace Salah, and I think they know that they'd have to just come up with something else and plan for the future rather than just planning for an immediate replacement. Yeah, maybe it would be a case almost of bringing in
0: a couple of players who could kind of combined maybe get to his level of output but yeah it's a it's a fair point um we haven't really seen liverpool you know break the bank on any kind of attacking addition i suppose but a couple of other players who are out of contract at the same time and really have got barely any publicity um considering how significant they've been in liverpool's recent history amane and famino so first of all on those two um there was an article uh, from James Pearce recently, um, and he said that uh, there've essentially been no talks whatsoever uh, with Mane or, I mean, or Firmino. So, do you understand that to be the case as well? Because that surely is is pretty alarming um, for those two to not have had
1: any sort of dialogue or, or serious dialogue certainly with the club. Again, it comes down to the age thing, doesn't it? Because if they all go to the end of the contracts, they'll all be 30, 31, and you don't want your front three being... And OK, I know I know 31 is, what, the new 25 in football with Ronaldo and what, whatever have you, but it still isn't 25. Liverpool do plan for the future, and you don't want to hand new contracts to three players who are in the 30s. Certainly one of them, Firmino, who hasn't been playing as much over the past 12, 18 months, and I think... it taking them separately I think with Firmino he's interesting isn't he the fact that who who do you think would sign him I mean there are, there are very limited clubs who can come in and sign a player he's a great player but he's got a very specific way of playing possibly Barcelona we have saw some links with that maybe you know they might have a go in the summer we'll have to wait and see but I think with Firmino I'm not surprised they haven't had any talks I think if any of the three goes through to the end of, end of their contract and least for nothing it would probably be him and I think he might be even be quite happy to do that, to be honest. I think Liverpool would be reasonably happy as well. Mane's situation is slightly different, where he's been a little bit up and down, as we, as we know, for the past 18 months by his own admission. And he's somebody who's obviously got direct competition already for his place in Jota, who can play on the left, as well as play down the middle and replace Firmino. So I, I'm a little bit more surprised that they haven't had talks with Mane. Not surprised by Firmino, but with Mane... Again, as I say, it goes back to the age thing. You, they'll be they, they, obviously Liverpool spent a lot of time and effort, and I think people have to understand that offering a new contract to a player is sometimes even more hard work for a club to convince someone to sign on that's already there than somebody who's new. So they can't like sell the club in a certain way because this player's obviously been at the club for about four or five years and knows exactly what it's like. So the idea then is to like say, well, we've done it this way all the way through here. To this point. Now, this is what we want to do next, and so it's a bit more com- hard to convince them, which is why last last summer, when they obviously Allison, Trent, Fabinho, Van Dijk, there was a few others uh, who they gave new uh, Robertson, who they gave new contracts to. That was important for the club, and that it was the front three who at that point didn't get new deals, probably alarmed quite a few fans. But when you look at it from, as I've said before, the business point of view, it perhaps makes sense because they. But the exception of Salah, to be honest, they aren't the priority as such. It will be interesting to see what happens this this summer, whether or not Liverpool. My own personal view is they will look to move on possibly for Firmino or Mane. But if they ended up staying and just they want to run out of contract, I don't think the club would mind too much because, as Klopp has shown many a time, said before with Chan and with Wijnaldum, if he can use these players for the duration of their contracts, he will do. Yeah, and that's the thing I wanted to to kind of pick up on if you were to allow
0: Firmino or Mane, maybe even both, to run down their contracts, what would you think of that from a, a business standpoint? Because, you know, there's a possibility, obviously, that, like you say, they could be put up for sale this summer, but surely it's like a case of the club thinking, so there's a limit on their value now because of their age, because of maybe decline in their output levels. Is it Are they more valuable to us with one more year of decent level performances? Or are they more valuable in terms
1: of cashing in? Well, that's it. That's the decision that it won't just be FSG that they're making. That'll be Jurgen Klopp. Uh, well, I'll put the question back to you. How much? How much would you pay in the summer for Firmino if he was for sale? Well, if I was if I was another club, honestly, I think a
0: well run club would, would look at Firmino now and think that yeah. he really isn't worth too much money. I mean, pretty much since that 17 18 season, you've seen that his his end product has dipped. And I think now as well, you have someone in the squad in the, in Jota as well, who's arguably more worthy of a starting place. So when you combine, like I say, performance with age, I probably wouldn't be paying more than 30 million for them. And my hope as a Liverpool fan would be that if the club were open to offers, that you'd have a one of these big clubs in Europe who maybe don't make the most sensible long-term decisions, like a Barcelona, for example. Mm-hmm would look at it in terms of the you know the quality of play historically for me you know and the kind of what how the signing will come across um it will be
1: quite high profile i yeah, think I, that where it's worth doing from that point of view i think i think this summer will be interesting just just talking generally on transfers because i think obviously covid's affected quite a lot of things over the past 18 months two years now and i think most clubs have had fans back in over across europe i know some are dipping in and out in germany and italy in particular and I, I just think that this summer will be very, very, very busy in terms of transfers. And it it won't just be Liverpool, it'll be all of them, there'll be loads of players moving around.
0: Yeah, you'd think so, because there was, certainly outside the Premier League, a bit of a lull. And, you know, if there has been that recovery now, then maybe the clubs want to sort of compensate for that lost business. But, Dan, um, if you want to Um, take the wheel now and maybe ask Ian about some potential incomings
3: Yeah, it seems like a good place to pick it up um, ahead of a potentially busy summer, Um, just to say as well on the whole contract situation I agree with most of what Ian said, I think Firmino's almost tailor-made for that Barcelona move and I agree with you Dave about £30 with them losing Aguero, that just seems to make a lot of sense from from their perspective Um, but yeah, anyway, in terms of who we might bring in So the talk generally, Ian, has been about um, maybe looking to strengthen the forward line. I think it's something a lot of Liverpool fans in particular want to see. And of course, the midfield as well, after the Wijnaldum loss, and seemingly with a lot of injury-prone midfielders still at the club. So one name that's been continuously linked with Liverpool is Jared Bowen. Um, His form is... Is superb at the moment. If we're going to be honest, Um West Ham were a club on the up as well. Obviously, fighting for Europe themselves this season. So, from an Liverpool perspective, how much do you think? How much do you think Liverpool are interested in him for a start? I suppose, and sort of valuation wise, how far do you think the club would be willing to go? Well, in terms of Liverpool's interest, obviously, I can't remember who wrote it first in the summer, but um,
1: when it came out, Liverpool looking at him last summer. There was a mm. bit of a. Uh, some fans were like, well, what are they looking at him for? But, you know, it's the old thing of like, well, he plays for West Ham and he used to play for Hull so he can't be that good. Well, that's just a lot of nonsense in it because Andy Robertson joined Liverpool from Hull. I yeah. mean, it's interesting because I actually know somebody about about Hull and for years they've been like, he's he's really good, he's really good, he's going to end up playing the you know, for a decent Premier League club. And I think he's, he's, this season, he's even gone surpassed the level that they were expecting. Mm-hmm. But, even when I saw him, I think there was a game, was it Liverpool played West Ham, uh, the 3-2 game in, in 2020, I think it was January start, end of January, start of February, at yeah. Anfield. And he, he, I think he came on a sub and he played really well. And I think clubs notice stuff like that. And certainly, Liverpool need that kind of player. The fact that he's English as well is going to help because, mm-hmm. you know, don't want to mention the B word, but Brexit is going to have more of an impact in the summer than perhaps I think people think in terms of they won't be able to buy certain players from abroad because they need work permit issues and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that will make him more... Exp- I mean, the, the reality is, look, if Liverpool make an offer for Jarrod Bowen, Jared Bowen will want to come to Liverpool and West Ham would have to sit down. In terms of his value, it's a difficult one, really, because you look, you, it could be 50 million, but then he's, never, he's not on England International, he's never played in the Champions League, mm-hmm. he's not played for a top four club. How many players... Get sold for that amount. We've, we've done all of that. There's not many, if we're being perfectly honest. So it, it's like anything else, it's what you're willing to pay. I mean, Jota was what, 40 million? But yeah, he obviously is a Portuguese international, played in Europe for, for, for Wolves. He's obviously been around. He was at Port. I know he didn't play for Let's in the end, but he did He did go there. So mm-hmm. you're probably looking at that. And Liverpool do actually, when it comes to the valuation of players, now they want to pay. They do look at what other, other clubs are, pay, are paying. And it is dependent on how much what, what will be going on at the time, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you know it. It will depend, obviously, if we said on. I mean, it's not just on Firmino, Mani, and Salah. You're looking at Minamino and Origi, because mm. I don't think I think Origi's going to go definitely. Uh, Minamino possibly, and you're looking at people just to help out with that top that front three anyway. So, me personally, if if he was if Jared Bowen was available, forty million, I'd sign him. Because I think is exactly what Klopp clearly likes him as well. Because I think, yeah. I think it was the West Ham game away this season where West Ham won. And I think he went up to him at the end of the game. And, you know, he did the old, every time he does that, every time he does that to a player, it's like, oh, he wants to sign him. And, it, you know, he did it with Harry Kane years ago. And he, he would have been fairly decent for Liverpool. Um, but it doesn't mean he's necessarily coming. But, no, Jared Bone would definitely want. He's, he's somebody they've been looking at for a while. Someone they will still be looking at this season. Some of them they'll have, have recognised always seems to have a good game against them. You know, and he's not just that, as you said, he's in tremendous form. Mm. You know, he's, he's contributing the numbers, the assists, and he's playing for a West Ham team who, for a David Moyes team, and I covered Everton for 18 years earlier in my career, um, they're playing you know, they're playing good attacking football because you know, Moyes has got a bit of money to spend on the players that he wanted. So he's playing in a team that's bringing out the best of him. And I think if he goes to someone like Liverpool, that'll take him on to another level. So, yeah, he's someone who the club are interested in. And personally speaking, I will be as well.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, he certainly ticks a lot of boxes, like you say, I mean, 25 English, because obviously there's the homegrown quotas mm-hmm. to think about as well from a club perspective. So it will come down to that valuation, I think, because Liverpool, I can't see them wanting to overpay and I can see West Ham digging the hills in a little bit. So that could be an interesting one. But like you say, I think, you know, with a, a season's worth of fans back in stadiums, the club should be in a more healthy position to do some business. Um the next one I want to talk about is similar in many ways in terms of his Premier League-based. He plays in a similar position, uh, Rafinha from Leeds, who, again, you know, similar to Bowen, is having a wonderful season. Um, incredible player, in my opinion. Um, again, ticks lots of boxes. My one sort of caveat with him is it comes back to what we spoke about at the start of the pod in terms of the Salah situation. Now, if Salah signs that new deal, and we've suddenly got three or four years secured of him. Positionally, Rafinha and Bowen play in a very similar position. Um, do you think that's something that might stop us pursuing either of them? And also, what do you think on the Rafinha links?
1: Uh, well, again, is a player they like. Obviously, like most of the leading clubs, they've been keeping an eye on him for a while now. Would he be easier to get out of Leeds than, than Bowen out of West Ham? Probably. But then he's as as he's you know he's Brazilian as you mentioned before. The, the Liverpool will have to keep an eye on the fact that they need to you know bolster their the, the number of homegrown players. Yeah. Um. It, I would be the only way they sign both is if Stalla leaves. Uh, yeah. Uh, and but I, they definitely need somebody. They'll, they'll they'll need somebody. Whether it's one of those two, I don't know. But you know you look at you know you read the room and you you look at the rumors and. You know, not all you know, well, most rumors are nonsense. But that's not giving too much away in terms of journalistic. <laughs> what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, who, who knew that people made stuff up because they wanted to get, get away. to click on stuff? Yeah, who knew <laughs> that? I mean that that's basically if you've got some of the more reputable people talking about it, then you know, the club are quite guarded with the with the things that they follow. So if they ever let anything slip out or or you know, Phoenix agents or or you know, anything from Brazil. He was constantly linking Liverpool with them, and it won't just be Liverpool, will it? Be United, be Be, be City, be Czech. if they've got any sense, they'll all be looking at him. Um, and whether or not it's the the you know the Brazilian connection at Liverpool might, might help, you know, with Fabinho being there, with Alisson, with Firmino, if he's still knocking around, so that could help. But I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool. Well, I expect, I expect Liverpool to sign at least one forward, possibly two. Uh, and if it was one of those two, do feel that. Gap and they managed to get the deal done. I wouldn't be surprised if they turned up. That not, that's not to say that they're definitely coming. Obviously, before mm. somebody quotes me no, on, definitely the, on the yeah. website, yeah. But if, if it turns out next season that one of Rafinha or Bona land up for Liverpool, it wouldn't be a massive surprise.
3: Okay, interesting. And one slightly off script here. I hope I don't catch you off guard with this, but there's been a lot of those links that you talk about to um, Ousmane Dembele at Barcelona. And this morning, uh, well, certainly in the past 24 hours. They've essentially cut ties in terms of offering a new contract. Now, we all know his injury record um, isn't fantastic. Is that somebody you could ever foresee Liverpool pursuing? Well, never say never, but I'd have to say no. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like I say, given his injury record um, and the probably the, the finances involved in terms of salary, it's a it's a far far well, fetched. Plus, it's,
1: it's on the player as well, isn't it? He might wherever he goes next, he'll want to play. And is he going yes. to be playing for Liverpool? There's no guarantee. And I know you should never be a guarantee that you're playing at any of the leading clubs. But mm. let's be perfectly honest. We know that most games, Salah and Manny are going to play. We know Van Dijk's going to play. Allison's going to play. You know, there are certain players who know they're going to be in there because they're yeah. very important. And he yeah. wants to be an important player in the club. And whether he's going to be that at Liverpool, I'm not sure.
3: Well, that's fair. And he wants cost over £130 million, So you'd like to think he wants to be important somewhere. and exactly. um, Just to finish off on the incoming side of things, we'll move to midfield now. Um and another player sort of extensively linked with the club um, from some reputable sources as well in the past. Um, and you wrote yourself that Liverpool have been long-term admirers of Jude Bellingham. Um, mm. Obviously, that still stands true. Um, is that a deal that you can foresee in the future, the club doing?
1: Well, I mean, I'd spend 80 £90 million on him because I think he's brilliant. And mm. I think that he's somebody who can be the future. But he's one player and Liverpool don't have. 80 to 90 million, unless they're going to spend it on Van Dijk, which what was that four years ago. If they're going to spend yeah. 60 million on Allison. you knew absolutely, definitely we're going to make it. I, To be honest, I, you know, I'm talking myself round, actually. Yeah, I think I probably <laughs> would pay 80 million pounds for Bellingham because I genuinely do think he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think he's someone that they will all want to sign him. Everybody want to sign him. But he's a Borussia Dortmund player. Well, Borussia Dortmund are one of the biggest clubs in Germany. He's having a great time over there. He's getting his games. He's got into the England squad. He's now playing for England. He's probably going to end up you know, knocking Henderson out of the team permanently uh, in the England team. Uh, and he's one of his, like, he's you know, somebody he looks up to, which is, again, that's partly why the links are there. But I do think Liverpool do have a genuine interest. I think he would want to play for Liverpool. Whether they could afford him is, is, is something else. But the other thing on top of that with Dortmund, is they've got oh, this guy up front for them called Harland. Not sure whether oh, you heard yeah. about him. Yeah, but he's... The, yeah, the best two players are Harland and Bellingham. Haaland's almost certainly going to go in the summer. Hmm. They won't want to sell both of them because the fans would go absolutely spur. And Bellingham's only, what, is he 18, 19? He's, not, he's 18, isn't he? Yeah, 18 still, he, yeah. He's yeah. 18, so he's not in any rush to go anywhere at the moment. He doesn't have to. He's going to have, a, he's gonna have a, a, a very long career. He's just very much at the start of it. So he doesn't have to go anywhere. And the other complication is the fact that the World Cup is in the middle of a season next year. Mm-hmm. So I think I would be amazed unless there was a ridiculous offer. Because don't forget, Dortmund sold Sancho last year. What was it, 73 million or something like that? And I think Bellingham's probably worth more than he is already. And I think Sancho's a very good player. United are wasting, but that's that's a completely different argument. <laughs> um, but I would be amazed if Bellingham went in the summer, unless Haaland stayed at Dortmund or... It was a ridiculous offer came in, or even possibly agitated to go, but I can't see that from from anything that I've seen from the player himself, his you know his dad seems quite sensible with the way that he's helping or advising his, his lad, so yeah, I think personally i'd make I'd try and move heaven and earth to get Bellingham to Liverpool in the summer, but whether it happens or not or whether he even leaves Dortmund, it's not going to be down to Liverpool.
3: No, that's fair. I think Liverpool are certainly one of the leading contenders when that time does come, because you mentioned the Henderson factor. I think he spoke glowingly about Steven Gerrard before. Mm. I mean, who hasn't? But at the same time, you allude to sort of the transformational signings the club have done under FSG and have been willing to shell out for the likes of Alisson, Van Dijk, you know, Naby to a certain extent, Fabinho, in terms of big money. Um I personally would, would would see Jude Bellingham as one of them because you mentioned his age there. You're talking 15 years worth of a footballer if you can get him in the next sort of 12 to 18 months. And um, another thing I wanted to sort of touch on on the Bellingham front was obviously you know Liverpool midfield at the moment. I alluded to it earlier. I I think we're a body light in there personally, purely on the basis of unfortunately too many of our midfielders tend to be missing too often. And you throw into that mix the likelihood of James Milner leaving again this season, another year older Jordan Henderson and Thiago. Do you think just generally speaking the club would be willing to go and make that sacrifice on Bellingham? Um
1: They've never denied it. Um which is interesting. So they must be interested whenever we've asked them about it. Normally normally they just say, Well, that's just load of nonsense. They've never done that, and why would they, to be honest? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just knocking themselves out of out of out the argument when they don't need to. Yeah. Um I think I think just generally speaking on the midfield, either one of Oxley, Chamberlain or Cater goes, Milner's going. Mm. Um Henderson is going to take the Milner role. Yeah. Which is probably what why they they gave him such, you know, the, the, was it three year contract in the end in the summer? I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I think it was three, three years. Yeah which will take him through to, what, 33-34, as far as I am uh, I totally go along with that. Um, then who you left with? Curtis Jones. I think he'll end up becoming quite a prominent player. I think he'll be a prominent player for the remainder of the season. Thiago, yeah. you're right, he does get it. The weird thing about Thiago is that he, he, whenever he plays... I think I think I've the last nineteen games he started, I think Liverpool have won seventeen of them or eighteen. Them. They haven't lost any of them. So he needs to, you know, they're not gonna get rid of him. He just needs to be on the pitch more often. Yeah. I think the the, the problem Liverpool have got is because Henderson's kind of changed position a little bit and Milner unfortunately his legs have just gone in the past three months. When Fabinho isn't there, they haven't got that defensive midfielder. And I know that there was a talk about he's Basuma at Brighton, another he's another player who I like. It's whether or not they're bringing someone like him this summer, in the knowledge that they've agreed a deal for Bellingham next summer. I'm just this is just me hypothesising, you know. Mm-hmm. This this is the kind of thing that does happen. You so saw United had to wait twelve months for Sancho, for example. Yeah. So that that kind of thing does happen. I do think you're right. I think Liverpool will sign a midfielder in the summer. One, possibly two, definitely one. And we're talking not seven, eight million. It will be a a decent, name, but it'll be again. It'll be someone under the age of twenty-five. Yeah. Someone who, who, they can, who can improve. Because one thing that's got forgotten in Liverpool's... I know FSG have spent hardly... Not, it looks like they've not spent much of, since Liverpool won the Champions League. But they did, they did buy Jota and Thiago. Mm-hmm. And Harvey Elliott, who end, will end up becoming a, a, a great player. Um, but it's hard for Liverpool to sign players who are going to make them better because of how much they've all improved as a team possibly beyond what anybody expected. I mean, pretty sure at the end, at the end what was it, January 2018 when Van Dyke signed, if you just said, oh yeah, in the next couple of years, they're going to get to two Champions League finals, they're going to get 97 points and then 99 points, and they're going to win the league and they're going to win the Club World Cup, you'd have gone. I don't think so. Yeah. But that's a sign that Liverpool have set that bar so high that it's been difficult for them to improve on that. And I think with the signing of the contracts last summer, I think it's getting that core together for... Then snipping off the, the edges of the squad. I mean mm-hmm. the thing look at a player like Shakiri, for example. How much if you wanted to sign a player like Shakiri now who's going to do that job for Liverpool, I don't think you'd be able to. Because he's, you know, he's somebody who, who won leagues in Germany, won a Champions League, won stuff in Switzerland, played in Italy, and they got him for quite cheap and he was quite happy to come. He didn't play very often, did he? I think no. sometimes players look at that, and that's always been an issue when that front three was 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 you know was quite clearly dominant and was always going to play, which is what made it interesting when Jota signed, because he mm-hmm. just went, you know, sob this, I'm just going to have a go. And it's and it's worked out for him. And I just think that's the age thing as well. So I do think possibly Liverpool have got to the end of that cycle. So now when they are going to be signing players, it will be slightly easier for them because certain players have gone past their best level. As you mentioned, the injuries... Likes of Vox, who I actually think he's done quite well this season when he's played, yeah. and Catter as well. To be fair, Catter's probably weird, isn't it? It's probably been Catter's best season when he's been playing. He mm-hmm. just hasn't been playing anywhere near enough. That's it. So um, it, it's like that was the best thing about Wan Alden. For, you know, for a lot of people, and myself included. Certainly, his first season or so was like, well, what does he actually do? Well, the point is, he's actually there. Yeah. And he hardly missed a game, and I think durability—that's the one thing that Salah's got, which people tend to overlook. That's the one thing that manny has got. I think he's only ever had one proper injury at Liverpool. And Firmino did have it until this season where, you know, like with anything and any of us, age catches up with you in the end. You can't beat it. So I do think Liverpool find it a little bit easy to sign players this summer. But it, it certainly doesn't explain why FSG have not spent a lot in the last couple of years. It does kind of hint at some of the issues that they perhaps have, because to get players who are better than the ones they've got, they would have to have spent an absolute fortune.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think, like you touched on there, I think Jota just coming and saying, I'm going to have a go at this. Hopefully that leads the way for other players yeah. to do the same. Um, but T-
1: but- Timo Werner didn't want to do it, did he, really? No. Being honest, he didn't fancy it. To- and, of course, he's ended up at Chelsea, where he's in exactly the same position.
3: Yeah, and it's probably worked out for the best, from our point of view, that one, because £50 million there, I'm not entirely sure that was... Uh, I think we got the better end of the deal with Jota, let's put it that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll hand over to Chloe now to uh, quiz you on any potential departures, especially. Um, as the transfer window deadline looms. So, Chloe?
2: Yeah, I'll start off, first of all, with a a name you've already mentioned. Um, I got the kind of conclusion that he's 100% uh, leaving in the summer, and that is obviously uh, the iconic James Milner, which is he's absolutely adored by everyone inside the club, but also every fan around, um, just because he's, you know, the age that he is, and he still is up there with always being in shape, um, sadly, this season he's had more injuries than usual. Um, but is he a definite to go in the summer? And if so, uh, who are the teams that he's likely to go to? Because obviously there was rumours that he wanted to go back to Leeds United um, to finish off his career. Could that be a potential place for him to end up?
1: Yeah, well, i would be amazing if he's there next season at Liverpool, purely because of the way things have gone. Uh, he's out of contract, isn't he, at the end of the season? I'm trying to think. I think he is. Um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at Leeds um, because they don't have that many experienced heads in their team, and I think he'd want to go back there. But you know, ultimately, it's down to him. There's certainly be no shortage of takers for James Milner because while he's obviously he's a great player, and he has been one of Liverpool's most underrated players. I would like to point out, by the way, that whenever I put the team out and he's in it on social media, there there is a certain section of fans who just seem to completely you know lose their minds and think Liverpool are going to be ten nil. Which, given the fact that they've lost, was it two of the last forty-one, suggests so they might be wrong and Jurgen Klopp might be right <laughs> over picking the team. Um, but yeah, recently he's had a, a few struggles. I, as I said before, I think Leeds might be a good place for him. He might want to go back, but it's 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 going to be up to him whether he wants to go on in terms of where he goes. But I think if he stayed on at Liverpool. In a co- I mean, Jurgen Klopp absolutely loves him, by the way. he He's he said quite a few times that as long as he's in charge of Liverpool, there will always be a place for James Milner. Now, whether that means it's in the squad or on the coaching staff, because let's be honest, I think everybody can see that James Milner will end up becoming a coach, becoming an assistant manager, possibly becoming a manager.
2: Yeah. I think uh, you've mentioned experience there, and I think it's right to to flag that because um, we've obviously seen him at um, the the games for the under-23s, the reserves, um, under-18. He's always been on the sideline and been willing to be there for everyone. Um, do you think we'll miss that the most from him, the fact that he is the most experienced in there? Like I, I remember, and this is what I'll always remember of James Milner, um, we played PSG at home, and within the first two minutes, he absolutely nailed Neymar, and that is exactly what I think when I think of James Milner. He's a person who, you know, gets the game going. He sets the tone. Um, and I absolutely adore that from him. But he's also this experienced lad who, you know, when he come, if we're 2-0 up and it's, you know, 15 minutes to go, and we're trying to hold on. He'll come on there, and he'll be the experienced and composed us, and he'll, you know, make sure that if he does need to take a yellow, he'll take it for the team. Is is that what we'll miss most from him, the experience?
1: I think the thing about experience is that you don't realise you're getting it while you're getting it, and I know it's not quite the same thing. But I mean, I, I realised recently that I was the oldest person working on Echo Sport, and I was like, how did that happen? You know, it's like, I have no idea how that happened. It's just by gaining all that kind of experience. It's of it's the same with these players. I mentioned before about James Milner. When he goes, Jordan Henderson takes on the James Milner role. And then the other players, as long as you've always got somebody, because Adam Lalana was the same. You spoke to, I spoke to Harvey Elliott, and he said the three players in training who he absolutely he loved training alongside was Lalana, Henderson and Milner because they were always helping out. And again, Lalana's another player who clocked whenever you actually spoke to him. He absolutely loved him because he kind of epitomised what he wanted to get into his squad, not just in terms of what happen, happens on the pitch, because most of the time the squad aren't playing football, are they? They're not playing the games. They're doing training. They're in and around each other at the training ground. They're travelling away. They're on flights. They're on the team bus. They, you know, There's all of that. And I think that's something that gets not always overlooked because I think people do realise that that's a, an important aspect of it. I mean, you look at a team like... You know, whenever there's a struggle at a a team, you look at Manchester United and Everton are two teams where people say, well, things don't look all right in the dressing room. There must be something going on there behind the scenes. They don't seem too happy. And that kind of reflects itself on the pitch. You've seen with Liverpool, certainly with Klopp over the past four or five years, they play in a way where they're obviously all in it together. And the best teams, no matter how talented you are, you need everybody pulling the same direction. And I think with James Miller, he's someone who he sets that example away from the pitch as well. We've we've seen him on social media. Haven't we He's got a very dry sense of humour. That's exactly what he is like. And uh, and players respond to that. I think Jordan Henderson will just assume that role. And then, you know, whichever ones, you know, Virgil van Dijk, he does that in a different way. Alison Beck will do that in a different way. Interesting, Fabinho, over the past couple of weeks, he seems to have stepped up. He's been there, what, three, four, nearly four years now. And when he first joined, the first couple of years, he always said that he wants to become more of a leader and he's, he's looking at other players in the squad. And I think he's kind of assumed that role now as well. So as I say, with the experience, you, that's something you just gain, you've got realizing it over a number of years. And while Milner going, they will lose that kind of thing. There'll be somebody there'll be another player who just comes in and does that. Not clubs don't always have that, but with Liverpool, they're stacked with players who, who will go off, you know, you imagine Henderson will go off to the under eighteens and the twenty threes, you know. Uh it was the Shrewsbury game, wasn't it? Uh, when the kids all played where Milner was on the on the touchline, he turned up I think he was the one player who did. The, yeah. If that happens again, you'd imagine it could be Henderson. It could be even someone I know is a lot younger, but someone like Curtis Jones showing support because that's the kind of uh, atmosphere that has been fostered under Klopp, and that's something that he's done over. Well, first thing, one of the first things he did when he came into the club was he lined up all the members of staff and said, you know, got got them to introduce themselves to the players and learn the names because some of them had been there for years and the players didn't know they were so. It's all in it together. And I think with James Mill is somebody who epitomizes that. And there'll be, you know, Jordan Dennison has said he'll take on that role and there'll be more to come as well.
2: Well, talking about the eldest, I'll go to the, you know, the youngest person I'm thinking of here. And he's not on uh, the sheet that we all gave you, but it is Nico Williams. And it's mm. a guy that in recent weeks, I think he's um, actually been a, a kind of a light um, at times. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people have wrote him off and maybe. Myself, I, I thought maybe he wasn't ready, but in recent weeks when he's being called upon, I think he's been one of our best players every time he's took the pitch, um, and I, I, I now think maybe we hold on to him and he could be a backup right back. It's whether he'd want to be a backup right back for Trent, um, but but where do you see Nico Williams? Do you think he can stay or will he be loaned out? Will he be sold? Um for the future, uh, is he a good one for for us to have? I mean, it's,
1: it's hard for Nico, isn't it, because he's he's Weird, because he used to play right wing when he was a lot younger. His best position is probably the position he plays for Wales, which is wing-back. And Liverpool don't play with wing-backs. Uh, he's he's pr- better at right-back than he is in the right wing because he's, he's obviously got a little bit more experience with the first team. But he's trying to displace Trent. And Trent is literally like the best attacking right-back, probably in the world. So, you know, Nico, he's 20 years old. He's somebody who wants to be playing. And he knows quite well that he's probably not, going to be getting his games and it's again this is a little bit like the situation with the front three a couple of years ago when nobody wanted to you know sign because they didn't think they were going to end up playing nico's in a little bit in that same situation i remember actually there was an eight under 18s game a couple of years ago that i went to and playing in it was nico williams reese williams and they were playing united and mason green was up front and i think uh brandon williams the one who's now at norwich on loan they all played and you could tell that these were The better players played in this particular game, and I wasn't surprised to see, you know, Nico when he played in the in the youth league for Liverpool as well. He was he he got a few goals from that right back position. So, you know, Klopp when he promoted him to the first team training, I think it was about two years ago now, possibly a bit longer. In fact, no, it was yeah just eighteen months ago. He was surprised by how good he was, and so he's given him a chance, like he's given lots of other youngsters a chance. But you're right, I think for Nico, it's whether or not he thinks he can stay beyond the summer because he wants to be playing football. And um, for the best will in the world, unless Trent gets an injury, he's probably not going to be playing that often for Liverpool. And you're right, When against the games that he's played in the last couple of weeks, he's you know shown a good attitude. And, you know, he didn't have the best game in the first half against Leicester in the in the, in the Carabao Cup. He was playing the right wing when they moved into right back. So he was very good in the second half. And I think he's been good in the other games he's played since then. I think, um, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because for Liverpool as well, he'll... Have a certain value, and Liverpool have made a, a good habit recently of of selling younger players for for big money. You look at uh, Rian Brewster, you look at uh, Kajala, Hoover, or not who not however, as I always t- whenever I try and write his name, it comes out as however. Um, uh, but and Harry Wilson, and uh, I'm sure there's somebody else, uh, well whoever, but with Nico, he.
3: This will be a big summer. This is Solanke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Solanke is another one, yeah, that's right. But they did yeah. buy I suppose they bought Solanke though, didn't they? So yeah. that's a little bit different. Um yeah, but with Nico, I think it's a big summer for him. I wouldn't because he's got a, if if Wales qualify for the World Cup, which they could do in March, he'll want to be playing footy because he wants to be in that World Cup squad. And I do think I wouldn't be surprised if he goes because Liverpool probably think that they've got in Connor Bradley, someone who can kind of replace. Nico so yeah it will be uh it will be an interesting few months for
2: him I'll follow up on this with a, with a question that I'm asking not on the basis of what I want to happen yeah. um because I would not move Trent from right back at all because you can see what he's producing but a load of people including the the situation with the England squad uh, they're trying to push Trent into a more midfield role could that do you see that ever happening at Liverpool Um, And if so, would that then be a place for Nico Williams to step up at right back? And we're talking uh, miles off of here for me, because I I just don't understand why you'd move a a player that's so productive, so doing unbelievable and is the best in the world in his position right now. Why you'd ever move him um, to try and fit anyone else in? But also why you'd move him when, you know, we do have someone like Thiago in midfield. We've got Fabinho, you've got the captain Henderson who... You know, you can't really displace unless he's in really bad form because he's your captain. Um, so could that even be an idea for the future for Liverpool?
1: I think you've just answered the question there. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you just, you, I, I can't add to that other than, it's like, why do not they put Salah centre-back? Well, why would you yeah. do that? You know, <laughs> I, I know it's not quite the same because Trent has played in midfield when he was younger, but, and he's got, he's got—he's, you know, he's got the skill set to be able to do it. But, it was interesting. I, can't, I think England played. Was it Andorra where Trent started at, at centre mid, defensive mid, and Rhys James was at right back, and didn't really work. And then they swapped them round for the second half. And Rhys James is somebody who played defensive midfield when he was on loan at Wigan, uh, and he looked like somebody who played there before. So I, do, I don't see the, I don't see why you'd move Trent. Certainly Liverpool, England's slightly different because they might want to just get him in the team. But again, you know, that's not. Liverpool's problem, that's up to Gareth Southgate or or whoever's in charge of England the next couple of years
2: Yeah, so now moving on to Nat Phillips, which in the last 24 hours, the thing that's kept popping up on my Twitter feed is we're going to recall Reese Williams and then Nat Phillips wants to go and um, I don't think any Liverpool fan can begrudge Nat Phillips for wanting to get first team quality and I think with only a week left in the transfer window, I'm actually really surprised that no one's tough a punt on, on, on him to be honest like not even the likes of Burnley or someone Um, so with only a week left, what do you think is the future for Nat Phillips right now?
1: Well, first thing on Reese Williams, that's true, Liverpool are going to recall him because um, right. he's, he's obviously not quite, well they're certainly considering it uh, because it's not quite worked out for him at Swansea as it didn't with Leighton Clarkson at Blackburn so these kind of things sometimes happen, in terms of Nat Phillips you've got to bear in mind football clubs Going back to what I said before, businesses, and they're not soft. They know quite well that Nat Phillips is injured. So why on earth would you sign him at the start of January, knowing he can't play for the next four weeks and pay his wage? Just just let Liverpool pay his wage and then come in with a bid on January 30th or 31st because they know that, A, the player would quite like to leave for regular football and, B, the club would be willing to sell him at the right price. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes right at the end of the window, I, in terms of where he goes, I mean, there's been quite a few, there's interest, I suppose, I think, I has sure been interest from abroad, I read somewhere, but I know definitely that Burnley, I think West Ham were looking at him, Newcastle, definitely, and he'd do a job for all of those places, I mean, he's someone who's been, he's interested again, because obviously I see a lot of the 18s and 23s, and never at any point did I think Nat Phillips would end up becoming a regular for Liverpool at any point, but. He's proven everybody wrong, including Klopp, because he said, didn't he, that first time he saw him play, Klopp's a very honest pl- person. He said, you know, the way that you play, it's not very easy on the eye. But and the one thing that the one thing that that I really like, and a couple of other lads who you, you cover Liverpool agree, In fact, Neil Jones actually mentioned it first. That he his attitude's amazing. His attitude is exactly what you would want from a professional footballer who knows he's given absolutely everything. He he's not soft. He knows that. He knew last season that once everybody gets back fit, he won't be playing. But he was still giving it 100%. He knows what his weaknesses are. He knows where his strengths are. He knows where he can improve. He knows where there's no point even trying to improve because he won't be able to do it. He sticks to what he knows. When you're a defender, you can head the ball away. You can keep it simple with your passing, the occasional nice diagonal. You know your position. You know how to work alongside everybody else. You know how to cope with marking somebody. You know how to deal with set pieces. These are all his strengths. And he does it. And I think that's what... The thing about Nat Phillips, last season, I can barely remember a mistake that he made, like a genuine mistake. There's some times where he's been outpaced, but that's not a mistake. That's just the way he is. He's not the fastest. He, he, he's learnt how to not let himself get exposed by it. But obviously, now and again, that does happen. So, wherever he ends up, and he will move, I'm pretty sure he'll move this month as well, is he'll end up being a bonus for them. but it will help them out. And for Liverpool, they'll get... Decent money for a player who what was it 12, 18 months ago, nobody would have considered that he would have played in a Champions League quarter final against Real Madrid.
2: I think that's all fair points. And I think anyone who actually gets him will be getting a really good deal because Nat Phillips kind of turned himself into an iconic hero now at Liverpool. And, and you know, um, he's adored as well, a player who no one probably would have thought. Do you think F- that- That's
1: what I'm saying. Fans respond to stuff like that. Fans yeah. respond. It's because you wouldn't say Salah and Mane and Firmino and Van Dijk are cult heroes. Well, they're not. Because you understand that they're great players. Whereas Nat yeah. Phillips is the first to say, oh, I'm not the world's greatest player. But because he has that attitude and he's doing something that perhaps a lot of fans would want to do if they were in that situation. He's making the absolute best of a situation he couldn't have possibly expected. And he's, you know, and he's going to end up getting a really decent career out of it.
2: I think everyone also loved the fact that he was just like your your typical old class centre half, and who doesn't love a centre half that literally, you know, just goes through people, ends everything away. It was it was kind of like we have saw from Nat Phillips how how much football's moved on and what you know the ordinary centre back right now is it's carrying a ball out, it's being yeah. very good with your feet. Where Nat Phillips, he was all right at that, but genuinely he was a bit more of like you know, your John Terry's, your Jamie Carragher's, your Rio Ferdinand, he was he, he just did the simple stuff really, really good. Um but do you think because he's had the you know kind of outbreak season that he's had in a way in which he never would have, um do you reckon teams also know that they might be paying over the the bargain for him because um he's only he's only really had one season under his belt and yet he did really well. Um, and yet he's proven that he can do it. But he's kind of like you know in the window uh, for everyone at the fact that no one knows how he's going to be in several seasons. You just hope that you're going to get this Nat Phillips that shown up for Liverpool when needed. Um, and Liverpool will be wanting more than what they ever thought he could have got for him.
1: Don't forget that let's not underrate Nat Phillips and what he's achieved. He it was because of him and the fact that he was certain at the end was 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 able to. Helped Reese Williams through the last couple of games. That Liverpool went from finishing look like they're going to finish seventh or something like that to finishing third. And I said he played in the Champions League quarterfinal, and also he played. Last game he played was um, you know they won in AC Milan in the Champions League, and he kept Ibrahimovic quiet. Although to be fair, Ibrahimovic is about fifty years of age now, so um, <laughs> I, I don't think people. How, who, how many other? players, centre-backs, are going to be available who've had that experience at the price that Nat Phillips will be available for, and I mean with Phillips, the fact that he's is anybody surprised that he's hardly played this season? Of course we're not, because he was always going to be fifth choice when everybody comes back and just going on to another player talking about departures, I think it's going to be an interesting six months for Joe Gomez because he's somebody who was an England yeah. international before he got injured, and we can't get anywhere near the team Um and what are they going to do with Matip? Because he's one of another players out of contract for what is it, 18 months? So <laughs> there are quite a lot of decisions for Liverpool to make. It's like do you stick with Matip? He's played all this season, but one of the you know the premise that he's probably going to fall over at some point and get injured because it's Joe Matip. That's what he does. Canati took him a while to settle, but now he looks quite good. But he's still very young, and we saw with the Shrewsbury game that he is liable to turn off. You know, his head t- t- turns off every now and again. Know, that's the kind of thing that you get at that age. Gomez has played he was he was the centre back in the team that won the league with 99 points. And yeah. you can't you can't ignore that. He's an England international. He's okay, he came on in the Champions League final, but he was still part of that run, and he's he's played in that competition loads of times as well. So he's you know, that's why Phillips hasn't played. But Gomez is, is the next one along that you're thinking, well, what are they gonna do with this? Did he did he keep him or sell him for big money? Or Does Joe Matip? they think, well, we can let him go because he's 30-31? He's out of contract in 12 months. Difficult one, because I do actually think that no matter what what happens, one of them might go in the summer and Liverpool would have to buy
2: centre-back. Well, I can tell you now, you've put my anxiety up a bit more. Uh, Thank you for that, Ian. It was lovely. Uh, I'm now worried about everyone else. Players
1: leave. The thing is, players leave all the time. I mean, I'm not sure how old everybody else in this podcast is, but I'm old enough to remember... In the 80s, when Liverpool sold Ian Rush and everyone was like, oh no, you know, we scored a million goals. And they went and bought John Barnes, Peter Beardsley and John Aldridge. And they ended up the following season, the best, at the time, the best team Liverpool have ever had. So there's always somebody else. There's always a different way of doing it. Players leave all the time. So I wouldn't be too concerned. The only concern really for, we haven't even mentioned them once in this in this podcast, is that Manchester City are this kind of freak team. that playing by completely different rules compared to everybody else god knows how they made a profit last year well we all know how they made a profit by yeah. the fact that there was nobody in the ground and <laughs> if it wasn't for liverpool in the past and as much as you know everton united and rival fans would not want to admit to this if it wasn't for liverpool the last couple of years would have been unbelievably boring the premier league because they're the only yeah. team that's been able to to match them funny thing in the champions league isn't it that? In the three of the last four years, City have been knocked out by an English team. Liverpool 2018, Tottenham 2019, and obviously they lost the final last year to Chelsea. So it, if it wasn't for, you know, certainly in a domestic game, if it wasn't for Liverpool, City would have just been run away with everything. And that would technically be bad for the Premier League. So really, everybody should be made up that Liverpool are, are doing this. But it's very hard for them to to keep it up because, as I've mentioned before, they don't, you know, they've reached such a peak for those 97, 99 points, it's impossible to maintain count. So whatever happened over the last couple of years, certainly this year, last year, it would have been a dip. It's what happens next, which is why the summer is going to be so important and why I said that I think there'll be quite a lot of moves.
2: Yeah, it feels like a lot of people think that City are saving football by Liverpool not being, you know, first in the Premier League. But I think it should be the other way round because we're the one who rebuilds. We only pay what we get in. Um, where City, you know, they're, they're back up full-back, are so like 50 mil alone. I mean, so it's, it's, I
1: mean it's, it's not like Liverpool are paupers, let's be honest, like they do have quite no. a lot of money, Yeah, but <laughs> like, yep. well, they don't they don't have quite the money of City, they don't have the money of United, they don't have the money of Chelsea and, you know, I do think that this is why, I was, as I just mentioned, I think what they do next is going to be very interesting because this team has come to the end of its cycle, they know that, they're going to have to snip quite a lot off this squad and it's the next group of players who come through are going to have to be 23 24 there'll be four or five of them there'll be a couple of youngsters coming through as well like Tyler Morton who I think by the way is going to be amazing and Kay Gordon as well mm. and then it's moving it onto onto the next level and the other thing as well is that in a couple of years Klopp won't be here so he's kind of like hand, handing it on to whoever takes over
2: I think we'll finish on from from me is uh Divock Origi and what happens with that situation I've seen many Uh, Things in this transfer window of him, you know, leaving the club. Um, which would absolutely break my heart, but uh, I obviously know he he needs first-team games and he isn't always available for Liverpool. Um, But there is a a part in his contract which says if he reaches a certain number of appearances, Liverpool will offer him a contract extension. Um, If he doesn't reach that, do you reckon Liverpool will offer him a new contract or will he be one to um, choose where he wants to go?
1: Well, halfway through the season, he hasn't started a Premier League game yet. So that would suggest he's probably not going to reach the whatever that number is because we don't know for sure what it is. Um I can't see Rigi being there beyond. I mean, it's every single every single transfer window, let alone every summer. It's like, oh, Rigi's off. Yeah. No, he's still here. Oh, Regi's <laughs> off. He's still here. But there will come a point where it's like, no, he actually is going this time. And I think now this summer he won't go in January. No chance. He won't go this month. Um, well, let's put up, let's put it this way: I'd be amazed if he goes. Uh, it's 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 up to Origi in the end. I think he, if he's got any sense, he'll go in the summer. It will be sad for Liverpool, but as you mentioned, you know how often does he actually play? Yes. You know, he just play doesn't play that often. He, he you know he's not going to. He... Interestingly, I do think that in the recent kind of say against Arsenal in that the first leg of the the, the Carabao Cup uh, semi final with Origi in, I think Liverpool probably would have won because he offers them some difference up front. He's kind of He's like the unpredictable player, isn't he? He Just does stuff that half the time I don't think he knows what he's going to do. <laughs> and that's for a team that's so, you know, regimented in terms of a lot of Liverpool. The way they play is they'll drill it down in training, and they'll it all becomes like second nature, you know, muscle memory, all that kind of thing. So that's why you see players like Canati, Robertson. Uh, there's one or two with Fabinho. It takes them a while to settle. Because they've got to get used to playing a certain way, and once they get there, they have end up doing very well. And I think with the Regi, he's never really, he's never really done that. They've just said, "Oh, just do what you want, <laughs> just, just go <laughs> off and just, just, just be a Regi," you know. And and that's why he, he's given the team these moments, such as you know, the game against Barcelona, the game against yep. uh, Everton, the game against uh, Tottenham, you know, uh, Wolves of the week, Wolves, mm. are yep. typically a Regi thing. Come on, play quite well, made a nuisance. was off did something completely different to the rest than the front three were doing and then ended up scoring a goal that the goal that he scored, could you see any other Liverpool player scoring that goal? Just being in a six-yard box turning and scoring from across? Don't think so.
2: Yeah, I think I think with Origi, I think when he scored in the Champions League final against Spurs, I thought everyone, like everyone thought he was then going to go um, and like, you know, everyone was talking about building him a statue because I don't think we've seen anyone like Divock and Um It's just, it's absolutely mad. Everyone, like, there's been people who call him uh, lazy and laugh about it. And I think, I, I don't know if he is lazy. Um, there's also a language barrier there where, you know, it, it can be translated and he could mean something slightly different. Um, but he, he does give the effect of, like, he's just in his own world. Like, he, he's not even aware of what is going on around him. I don't think, um, it's,
1: that, I don't think it's that bad, to be fair to him. I just think he has that kind of unpredictable nature, purely because he's such a different forward to all the other forwards that they've got you know he, he can hold the ball up you can't as, as well as you know Jota and Mane and Firmino and Salah are he just is completely different he's more of the old he's not he's not even an old-fashioned centre forward he's just a different kind of player and that's why they missed him when, uh, when they said they played the Arsenal game for example
2: I remember him scoring uh, that famous ninety-six minute winner against Everton and he's picked up the ball and running back to the halfway line as if like <laughs> we've only got a draw or something. Um he he's honestly iconic. Everyone loves Javaka Vigi and I think it would be, you know, sad to see him go, but I think he does deserve um first team quality in somewhere where he can actually thrive, get on a pitch, be available, um, because there has been times where we've needed him and he's just not been there for us. Uh, but yeah I think a lot of these players that we've mentioned that are outgoing a lot of them um, will you know are absolutely adored by at least the majority of Liverpool fans Um, and it would be really sad to see each of them go just because of what they've meant to the club over the years uh, and the moments that they've gave us but everything sadly does come to an end and it feels like uh, our team needs a bit more of a rebuild and we're back at that part again and Um, Look at what Jürgen Klopp rebuilt at the start and where we are now. You know, with the team, we have the things we've won. Hopefully, um, these players go and do well elsewhere and and we get people in, recruit people and uh, we go on to to win the big trophies.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing with Klopp is that he inherited one team, he built a second team and now his final act will be to build or get halfway through building a third team that the next person can take over and hopefully move on.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's a perfect place to go. Some positivity, the fact that, you know, um, a lot of people this season are a bit upset with the way it's gone, with City, where it is. Uh, there's a lot of, of things to be really thankful for with this Liverpool side. I don't think I'll ever see a better Klopp, uh, a better manager than Jürgen Klopp. And I don't think I'll ever see a better team than the team that won uh, that title for us. Don't it. say that. Don't say that. There's <laughs> no, always a, there's I, always I, a better no. team. There <laughs> was a better team. You've got loads
1: <laughs> of years to go watching them. You know, it's... Don't forget, it's it's blokes kicking a bag of air around, if we're being perfectly yeah. honest. You know, it is I think it was N- Neil Jones again, to quote him, they used to work with him at the Echoes at Goal. He said, you know, football, if you can't enjoy it, why on earth are you watching it? Yeah. Because that's what it is, you know. It's bit obviously, you know, to be fair, it's given me a career in just writing about blokes kicking a bag of air around, so that's mm-hmm. good. To think. <laughs> <laughs> I I think... it but it's it's it means a lot to an awful lot of people. But yeah. it means a lot because if, you, if, if, if something means that much, you have to be able to enjoy it. And without wishing to go off on one about people on social media, the amount of people that get angry. And I know they're not reflective of all the fans because, you know, we go to the games and we see them and they're very supportive, the people in the grounds. And I think a lot of people on social media get really angry about everything. Just get angry about everything and about, oh, what else are you doing this? club doing this, this player doing this, this player doing this. It's like, just enjoy the game. You're not going to win everything. In fact, the ultimate definition of football is that you're going to get beat so only one team can win the league, you know, and one team can win the Champions League. But the thing is, there's always next season. And if
3: yep.
1: if you're able to just, whatever you're worrying about in your life and you can just watch a game for 90 minutes, and yeah, if you get beat, you can be sad, but uh, don't let it affect you for like three days afterwards and get angry and write, you know, tweets to whoever, mainly about me and my player ratings, to be honest. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <doing> <laughs> It's just, it, it is just it is it is important, and, and going back to what you said before, you're right. I'm, what, 45 years old now, and this Liverpool team, certainly one that won the league, is the best team that I've ever seen, and that's better than the 1988 team, which was the best team before then. So, you know, that, that I never thought I'd see better than that team. What, 30 years, down, well, yeah, 30 years down the line? There's another one, so don't go thinking this is the best team ever because there will be a, another one to come, don't worry
2: thank you you know you gave me anxiety earlier and now you've restored (laughs) absolutely that's
1: that's me all over that is that's me all over
2: (laughs) well I think that's a perfect place to start so you know Dan David is there anything you want to do do you want to round it up
0: yeah I think um we pretty much covered everything we wanted to get through thanks Ian for some brilliant insight there um on a whole host of different topics um and obviously if you want to kind of keep abreast of what's happening. With incomings, with contracts and outgoings, just uh, follow Ian's Twitter feed, follow the Echo, uh, you know where to go for all that stuff. So yeah, thanks uh, to Chloe and Dan. Thanks especially to Ian for joining us. We're going to be back next week, um, which will be during the international break after the Arsenal second leg and the Palace game at the weekend. In the meantime, if you could, and I'll be saying this each week, give us that five-star rating on Spotify, would be really grateful. Um, and they are really good to view on any other podcast providers you might use. But yeah, that is going to wrap us up. So we'll see you next week. And until then, take care.